Welcome in one and all to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, which you can catch on WVUA 23 week uh, on Fridays, 6.30 p.m. in Tuscaloosa. Joined, as always, by longtime BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. We're previewing Alabama-Florida here with the midweek edition of the Talking Tide podcast our Twitter feed, talking underscore tide, is the handle. Follow us there. Get links to all our podcasts just as soon as they drop. Get us on all your podcast apps as well. Our new YouTube channel, subscribe to that. Got a burgeoning subscription base there. Travis, looking forward to um, continuing on with YouTube as well. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, North, uh, North, North, excuse me. North River Dental. North River Dental Associates and Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. Going to be talking about them a little bit later in the program. Talking Florida, though, Travis. Alabama traveling down to Gainesville in what conceivably could be the toughest game on this Alabama schedule. Travis, if you're going to have that conversation, the argument can certainly be made for Texas A&M can be made for LSU, albeit they've started off pretty rocky based on their uh, trip to the left coast. Maybe it ends up being Auburn. But if we're, if we're going to talk about LSU and Auburn as maybe being the toughest teams on the schedule, then you better talk about Florida too. What about Ole Miss coming up in a couple of weeks? You're right, though. It illustrates kind of the sort of throw them in a bag right now and pull them out, and you could be right by the end of the season. It could very well be this Florida team that Alabama sees on Saturday and you know it's been an interesting week or two I think for both teams but you still feel like you don't really know enough about either Florida or Alabama I do the preview pieces at BamaOnline.com and I think I have a bit of a feel through two games certainly better than I did going into the season openers but you know we've seen Florida Dominant at times, especially on the offensive side of the ball with the two quarterback system being effective. We've seen Alabama in the opener just play at a really high level and then sort of stumble through last week and through that Mercer game. So I think this is one of those games we've talked about in the past. You don't know how you look until you get your picture took. <laughs> and I think this is one of those Olin Mills moments for both Florida and Alabama. First true road game of the season for Alabama. Obviously, by extension, it's the first true road game in the career of Bryce Young, at least his starting uh, career. And uh, he's off to a rousing start. Seven touchdown passes, no interceptions thus far uh, this season, Travis. But going down to Gainesville, tough place to play, a raucous crowd. Certainly be a more raucous, more hostile crowd is probably the right word uh, than what he ran into, certainly. Uh, over in Atlanta, which was mostly a friendly crowd. Uh, and he's going to be going up against a DC and Todd Grantham, who likes to bring that blitz, Travis, likes to bring it a lot, fast and heavy and often. Uh, and you know what? Some quarterbacks are built for that. Some quarterbacks, they see it coming. They throw to the open hole on the back, on the behind that blitz, and, and they just feast on it. Others just kind of crumble uh, in the in the face of a good pass rush, but Todd Grantham's going to find out. He want he's one way or another he's going to find out which of those two quarterbacks Bryce Young is. That's what he'll want to do. 
Yeah, quarterbacks are kind of like guards in basketball, right? When you bring the pressure and the full court press and things like that. There's some guards in basketball, they go, oh, great, bring that, because we're going to just get layups on the other end. Whereas there's some that you can tell pretty quickly they don't really <laughs> like it. But they're just they're thinking about the timeline yeah, more than the layup. They yeah. get trapped in the corner and you know, time out. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think Bryce Young is that kind of guy, but you're right. I think Ted Grant Todd Grantham's still gonna put it to the test on Saturday afternoon. And you know, that's where everybody around Bryce has got to help him too, and blitz pickups and you know, we talk about a first time starter, first year starter at quarterback, Darian Dahlcourt's a first year starter at center. You know, he's going to have some pretty big responsibilities uh, on his plate uh, as far as the the offensive line is concerned pre-snap. So, yeah, there's definitely some factors to consider. And look, Florida desperately doesn't want Alabama to get off to sort of the patented fast start that we've seen from Alabama teams here in recent years, um, you know, because that keeps the crowd in it. You know, the longer you can keep that 90,000 on Saturday afternoon in it, the better the chances are going to be for the Florida Gators. A couple of notes from the practice week. Looks like Will Anderson's in pretty good shape, Travis. He's practiced this week. Nick Saban has not said that he's definitely going to go, but certainly the word is encouraging anyway as we record the podcast here on a Wednesday night that, that Will Anderson, more than likely it sounds like, will be all right. Yeah, it's uh, sounded better and better since that post-game press conference on Saturday, that's for sure. And then also on Wednesday, we heard Nick comment on the status of starting quarters, cornerbacks Jalen Armour Davis and Josh Job. Sounds like they've been full participants during the practice week. As long as we've done stuff like this together, whether it's instant analysis going back to 2008 on BOL or here on the podcast for six years now, Wednesday, right? Wednesday, a huge day in terms of typically sort of defining availability for guys like Will Anderson, Josh Job, Jalen Armour Davis, and perhaps a, one or two others. You know, I would never say that any of the, anybody would be a healthy sit, you know, but, but when you look back at that Mercer game, there's no sign that I was aware of that that those that Jalen Arnamus, Josh Joe were were too hobbled anyway, coming out of the opener against Miami. They sit against Mercer. They're right back ready to go again for Florida week. Not saying they weren't banged up, Travis, but you gotta wonder if if the coaching staff didn't look at the Mercer game, particularly with the the kind of offense that Mercer runs, and say, hey, this this might be a good opportunity to give the twos a look at that position against a team that's not going to test us too bad with the passing game. Yeah, and if either or both of those guys are dealing with lower extremity issues, that's not the type of offense you want them going against. We saw it with Will Anderson, the potential for chop block, uh, excuse, excuse me, cut blocks. Um, very much in play, so I'm with you. And I think that was the case, uh, I think, with Armour Davis, Job, even some guys at some other areas of the football team that you didn't see last Saturday. It was uh, precautionary as much as anything. Pretty quiet practice week overall for Alabama this week, Travis. I, I guess Jordan Battle uh, <laughs> <laughs> delivered the, 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 the most explosive oh, this, this week. Oh, the, on- the off-camera. The off-camera shriek you could hear yeah. <laughs> from the UASID staff as Jordan yeah. went in depth on these. Yeah. 
it was. It, it, I, I heard that shriek in the background, and it reminded me of the guy in uh, in Animal House at the end when he just gets trampled over on the sidewalk. What, what was covered. it? Our our boy Patterson Hood in the the drive by trucker song, an audible gas. Yeah, Patterson <laughs> no. Hood. <went> <laughs> no, George, yeah. No, George. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 Josh. This is happening. Yeah. Well, he went there and uh, leave it to Lane Kiffin to stoke the. Oh, to, it's turned into D's Gate. Yeah, stoke the flame a little bit, and then uh, Marlon Mark- Humphrey today. <laughs> yeah, who's coming tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, who knows? Who knows? A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot a, of fun. Maybe it's a good thing, you know. Maybe it's uh, something that just helps this team, and maybe it shows you this team's in a good mental state. I think the old heads would say, "Oh, what are they thinking about talking about this stuff?" You know, the <laughs> Tuesday of Florida week, and then. The other side of that is, well, they're loose and maybe feeling pretty good about themselves. And Nick Saban did say post-practice Wednesday that compared to a week ago, he was much, much happier with the focus and the preparation this week, which, I mean, shouldn't come as a surprise. Breaking down this Florida team a little bit, Travis, as Alabama travels to Gainesville. Uh, you're going to be headed down there, by the way. Before we get into Gator personnel, uh, you're going to take this one in live. And, yeah. Uh, not your first trip to Bill, Ben Hill Griffin by a long shot. How many career visits to Ben Hill Griffin roughly for you would you would you estimate? Have to be probably 15 to 20 because the old man pops. He's a Gator. You know, half the family growing up were Gators in Northeast Florida. And then the maternal side of the family were Walker County transplants that are Alabama or were Alabama people. So Pops would drag me down there before it was even the swamp. I mean, I I go back to seeing Jim Kelly play quarterback for Miami against Florida with Howard Schnellenberger on the Miami sideline mm-hmm. against Charlie Pell at the time. So it goes back that far. Um, but I was down there in 2011. That's crazy, right? Ten years since Alabama last visited Gainesville. This is some of the stuff that comes into play when you hear people like Nick Saban and coaches in the SEC questioned about the scheduling format with the permanent opponents and too much time in between these trips because these are absolutely two teams that it shouldn't take a decade to get back together uh, at a venue like Florida Field. No doubt about it. I certainly hadn't been there 15, 20 times. I've been down there for maybe, I'll say, five or six. Uh, my old, you, you say your old man was a Gator. My old man was a Knoll. And so we went over to Tallahassee a good bit. He did run me down to Gainesville once and only once. It was before Bobby Bowden really got the Seminoles going over in Tallahassee. Uh-huh. Uh, your quarterback was Chip Ferguson. And Bobby Bowden was still running that option, and the final score was a lot to a little in, yeah, Chip in, in favor of the home team. <laughs> he was uh, he was a good quarterback for Florida State. That's probably mid eighties. Yeah. Um, Pops took me down there when the Gators were oh nine and one going into the finale of Charlie Pell's first season in seventy nine. Conversely, Florida State was undefeated in seventy nine, and uh, Florida State won that game. But as far as Alabama goes, you know, eighty six Alabama Florida. Uh, on the old artificial turf at Florida Field, you had Mike Shula at quarterback, Bobby Humphrey at running back, Cornelius Bennett at linebacker for Alabama. Alabama won that game. Uh, I had a sunstroke, I'm pretty sure, um, undiagnosed. Uh, and then I've seen the other side of it. Been to been to uh, Gainesville in '91 when Steve Spurrier and his second, second season absolutely woodshedded. That was like a six nothing game at the half. The Alabama defense played its ass off. 
the offense with Danny Woodson at quarterback and eventually it would turn to Jay Barker. I just couldn't muster anything at all. Uh, but from that Florida game in 91 through the national championship game in 92 or 93 and then into the 93 season before the LSU loss, that was a long stretch of W's for Gene Stallings. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, tough place to play, hostile place to play. I think you and I went down there together, I want to say in 06. Yeah. Uh, when, when when Prince Hall picked up, scooped up a fumble and <laughs> ran it for a touchdown. That was the and, offensive uh, fireworks for Alabama that day. That's right. No doubt Prince about Hall. it. But it. But in 2021, this Florida Gators team comes in uh, well-ranked, highly ranked in the nation. Defensively, Zachary Carter at the defensive end position, definitely a key player there. He is going to test Alabama's offensive tackles. Don't think there's any question about that. And another guy defensively, Travis, that I think will be interesting to watch is a kid from just down the road from here in Tuscaloosa and Hoover, and that's Jeremiah Moon, a guy who plays that Technically, he plays that buck position for the Gators, and he came at he came to Florida, uh, billed as an edge pass rusher. You know, pretty much strictly a go get the quarterback type of guy, and he's evolved into something different. He's evolved into uh, somebody who's more versatile for Florida. You look at him now, Travis, and you know, and he's had injuries. He hadn't had the most productive career in the world for sure. But the guy can do a lot of different things. They play him in the, they play him off the ball some. They, you know, you see him play inside linebacker now. Uh, he will still line up on the edge and come after the quarterback. But you know, Ty Grantham, he does. He may tell. He might line up Jeremiah Moon and say, "Run with Cameron Latou. Run with Jer with mm -hmm. Jaleel Billingsley." Uh, does a lot of things. I know the Senior Bowl is keeping a close eye on Jeremiah Moon as well. Uh, so he he's one to watch too. Yeah, he is, as you said, a Hoover product. And look, they've got an injury to Ventrell Miller at middle linebacker going into this game. And it doesn't sound like Miller's going to be available. So all the versatility they can get between their top talents there at the linebacker level, probably going to need to draw on that. And, you know, Brenton Cox Jr. is another guy on the edge for Florida that, you know, I think is going to be a big part of that edge matchup that you talked about, you know, I think there's some guys similar to Alabama uh, that we've talked about in the past that, you know, have that ability to go down inside in passing situations. I think you'll see some of that too when you talk about Zachary Carter specifically, like you were mentioning, he's a really nice player and one of those guys outside early downs against 12 personnel, you get the third down, maybe the version of Florida's rabbits package and you'll see Carter go inside and try to get after Bryce Young. Best player on that defense for my money. You agree there? I like him. He kind of reminds me of Jonathan Bullard, I guess it is from a few years ago, but I think he's got more upside probably at the next level because I think he can rush the passer from both inside and outside. So when you talk about these edge guys, Evan Neal, uh, that's a, first round guy coming up in the spring, you would think. And then Chris Owens at the right tackle position. It's interesting you mentioned Carter because my three matchups for this game on BamaOnline.com that it's going to drop on Thursday afternoon. I've definitely got Evan Neal and Chris Owens with Zach and Brenton Cox Jr. understanding that Moon and some other guys could be situational when it does get into third down and you know Carter goes inside. 
Offensively for this Florida Gators team, Travis, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, a couple of quarterbacks people are got an eye on. It looks like Emory Jones is going to be getting the start, uh, but Anthony Richardson played so well. He's a local kid down there. He's from Gainesville Eastside High School, a big kid, bigger than Jones, uh, 6'3", 6'4", 230, 240 in that neighborhood, can throw it, can run it. Uh, if Emory Jones uh, sputters in this one, Travis, I don't think – Richardson will be uh, will be sitting long, put it that no, way. No, and I think Richardson, he's one of those guys this week that you're paying attention to, too, because he tweaked a hamstring, it looked like, a little bit against South Florida last week when he broke off his latest coast-to-coast touchdown run. He's done it twice in two weeks, but you're right, just absolutely dynamic. Uh, gosh, I want to say five runs of 30 yards or more in two games already and four completions of 30 yards or more. So, yeah, when number 15 comes onto the field, it won't be Tim Tebow, but it may be the latest version of that kind of quarterback that you're not going to catch if he gets into the open field. So tackling, wrapping up because he is such a big dude. But then once he gets into space, he's shown that ability to leave some people in his wake. Wide receivers, solid for Florida as well. Jacob Copeland, a guy who can hurt you, certainly, uh, on the outside, on the perimeter. Justin Shorter, nothing short about him. Uh, six foot five, 230 pounds. One, almost the kind of guy almost looks more like a tight end than a wide receiver. He's going to challenge any cornerback with his size. And they kind of look like that at wide receiver, Florida does, other than Copeland. Trent Whittemore is another one of those guys, 6'4", 211. So they've got some size on the outside, but no doubt. Copeland's the guy. He's their number one this season with all the attrition, all the turnover, not only at wide receiver, but also tight end. And, you know, Xavier Henderson is probably one of their younger receivers that they have the highest hopes for. And he hit a couple of big plays last week against South Florida. But I think one of the big keys in this game, and the same is going to be true for Alabama too, where Jonathan Mechie is concerned, can they get another guy to deliver? You know, if it isn't Copeland this week, can someone else pick up the slack or can someone else add to what Copeland gives them from the Florida perspective? Same thing with Alabama and Mechie and Jamison Williams and maybe JoJo Earl continues to emerge. Maybe this is the week that Jalil Billingsley gives us that 2020 rendition of the tight end that we saw a year ago. What about the ticket man in Gainesville Saturday, Travis? Are you going to – I'm sure you'll probably have a your tickets in your pocket ready to go, but I, if I know you, and I do, uh, even when you've got tickets in your pocket, somehow you manage to come home with a ticket man story one way or another. Yeah, that's just in the DNA. <laughs> Pops, I mean, that's parenting is where all that comes from. But I'm credentialed somehow. I snuck one, I guess, past the goalie on that right. front. Um, so I don't have to worry about it, but I do think uh, the oldest, Evan, is going to make the trip down there because we've got family on the Florida side. They're going to be tailgating. They announced this evening, starting at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, uh, headed to Gainesville. So um, we'll see how that works for him. But yeah, I mean, it's secondary market. It definitely looks a lot more like 2019 than it certainly did a year ago. And what about the betting man? Where's he got the line on this one? And, and, and what do you and like there? Or so. How much? Yeah. I think it opened at 15 and is at 15 and a half, maybe 16. Yeah. I want to say the totals in the mid 50s. I don't really like either of those this week. Um, 
because I just don't, I still don't feel like I know enough about either one of these teams. Right. I see a lot of predictions that have Alabama covering, but I wouldn't advise that. I'm just, uh, I'm not comfortable with, I'm not comfortable with that position. Uh-huh. As they say. Uh-huh. The, bo- the boys I talk to that like to play in that sandbox, Travis, they, mm-hmm. they tell me that, that they like to hit that first half Alabama spread. Okay. Because they because they they know the the first team is going to be on the field that whole first half, no matter what. They don't like that backdoor (laughs) mess in the second half with twos on the field. So there, Nick Nick starts running it in the ten man fronts, you know, and giving (laughs) that other team those extra possessions. Yeah, and they're still gunning it, you know. I I don't know what the record is, but I've been told that over the last several years, if you hit the Alabama first half spread week after week after week, you're you're doing okay. Yeah, I mean, that's why Vegas has to set these lines like this. You you see this line open at 15, and you're talking about a top 10 team in Florida at home, mm-hmm. and Alabama opens at 15. But I just don't think Vegas at this point can set a line high enough Yeah, you know, to get other side coming in. Um, yeah. They have to set it like that to try to get the action coming the other way because otherwise folks will just bet it on up, you know, yeah. and, and too often for the man's liking, uh, they hit yeah. when they, even when they do that. I asked the boys, I, I, I said, cause I, cause I don't, I, I don't pay attention to the, to the, certainly not the crazy lines, like the halftime lines and the live betting uh-huh. and the, and the spread. I don't look at that kind of thing. I asked him, I said, so, does the hat does the first half line is that half of the the spread for the game they all said not anymore <laughs> <laughs> those so, goalpost moves yeah. you know, sometimes maybe at one in. time but yeah. uh, no longer yeah. i i think yeah. i think now the fir- the alabama first half spread is usually more like two thirds or three quarters of the game spread yeah so exactly get it up there make it tough Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network coming at you. The Twitter feed talking underscore Tide. Got to thank a couple of sponsors right now, and then we're going to jump into a couple games around the SEC before we get out of here. We're going to start telling you about North River Dental Associates and Travis. I was just in the chair at Dr. Jack Smalley's office. Got that uh, grill. Got that yet, grill repaired. I sure yeah. did. I had Better a chip. Earl Shride. Chipped front tooth. I was in the chair at uh, 1 p.m. yesterday. I was home, not just out of, not just out the door. I was home by 2 p.m. And uh, the chip is the chip is filled in as smooth as it could be. They did a fantastic job. Doctor Jack came in there and uh, did the work himself. Uh, Really easy to get in and out. The waiting room. I was in there about three minutes. I just want to tell you about the waiting room, Travis. Jack's got some older magazines in there, you know, two, three years got old. Got some press guides in there. Old he Alabama does. football press guides, media guides in there. He he absolutely does. But the thing about it is those two or three-year-old magazines, they all look brand new because no one has time to thumb through them. <laughs> you sit down, you get the, to the about The furniture page. in that waiting room doesn't break down either because you're not sitting no. in it. You know, the, no. The, no, the sofa and everything, it's in great shape. Brand new, no doubt. Yeah, people get to the table of contents, you know, and then they're uh, <laughs> then they're in the Come chair. That's how it works over there. Yeah. But uh, all your dental needs, by the way, also doing Botox and Juvederm 
over at North River Dental Associates now. So if you got needs in that department, as well as dental needs, give them a call. The phone number is 752-3506. It's easy to find. It's in Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road in Tuscaloosa, whether it's porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for the kids, endodontics, teeth whitening services. They do it all. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolates here, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Maybe you're not making the trip down to Gainesville this weekend for Alabama, Florida. You're just going to post up right there at the lovely abode. Why not treat yourself as a part of your game day spread on Saturday? Peterbrook Chocolates here. So many great options, many of which this time of year Alabama Crimson Tide themed. So you'll want to check that out at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You got Halloween right around the corner. So uh, you'll want to keep your eyes and ears open for what's going on at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to look at a couple of games around the Southeastern Conference here in the last few minutes before we close things out on the podcast. We'll start with Auburn at Penn State, Travis. A big uh, Big Ten SEC clash. We're going to find out a lot about the Tigers uh, playing on the road against those Nits, as they call them, the Nittany Lions. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Bo Nix and the boys making this trip? Pretty wild, isn't it? It's almost 10 years to the day that Alabama went to State College in 2011. So you got that sort of in-state angle to go along with it, but – Absolutely. Auburn's been very impressive against inferior competition, uh, putting up big yards, big points. The rushing attack has been what you would expect it to be, led by Tank Bigsby, a veteran offensive line. Uh, Bo Nix, very efficient in the season opening win uh, last week against Alabama State, statistically anyway, just pretty ho-hum. But obviously, as you said, a measuring stick game for Auburn in year one under Brian Harson. Uh, give Penn State credit, went on the road in its season opener, conference play, beat Wisconsin at Camp Randall in Madison. So you've got a little bit more of a resume, I guess you could say, for Penn State. But I think Auburn's certainly capable of being right there as this game gets into the fourth quarter. I think if that's the case, what you're going to be very interested in seeing is if it comes down to it, can Bo Nix and that offense make enough plays if it can't just entirely be upon maybe more so Bigsby in that running game. And does the pass protection hold up for Nix in in front of him is going to be big as well. Going to pin you down on this one, Travis. Who do you like for for a winner in this one? I'm going to go Penn State by a field goal, but I think it's going to be that kind of game. What about you? I like Penn State, too. I I think at home they're going to be extremely tough to beat. Uh, I expect Auburn to give them a game as well. Night game, too, up there. Night game. It's going to be an electric atmosphere up there, no question about it. Give me uh, James Franklin getting home with the W uh, in that one. South Carolina at Georgia. Uh, I I imagine uh, the spread on that one's pretty big. Not sure what that one is either. But you know what? We've seen, Travis, a lot of – a lot of these South Carolina Georgia games where Georgia's expected to route them, and then they end up getting all they want from the Gamecocks. Um, not sure that'll be the case here. Um, not sure if South Carolina has a quarterback yet. I mean, they're playing a, 
a graduate assistant at quarterback. That's a great story we might Zeb. get into on yeah. another uh, podcast. Zeb Nolan, yeah, former teammate of of Trey Lance, by the way, at North Dakota State. Yeah, uh, but uh, a couple uh, of years I, ago, you talked about it. South Carolina traditionally, for whatever reason, can go into Athens and cause some problems. Beat Georgia, shocked Georgia a couple of years ago there at Sanford Stadium with. Will Muschamp as head coach. Now Will, a member of his pal Kirby Smart staff at UGA. You would anticipate Georgia having its way given the offensive improvement. Of course, it came against a lesser opponent than Clemson and UAB, but still a solid group of five uh, in the Blazers. So Stetson Bennett, man, you know, I don't know if he's Mr. October or Mr. November, but it seems like he's Mr. September. Uh, didn't have to throw it much last week against UAB to account for several touchdowns. Uh, you got to like Georgia at home, though, in the in the SEC opener for the Dogs. That defense for Georgia yeah. is going to have its way. You got to think against that. Now maybe now maybe Georgia's offense struggles as, as we saw it struggle against Clemson, but uh, I don't think there's any question that Georgia defense is going to have a dominant look at home in that one. Uh, not too much else around the SEC, Travis. I guess Stanford at Vanderbilt, uh, the the book bowl, the textbook bowl, yeah. we'll call it. Maybe they'll get Rainbow. together and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, fill, fill in some bubbles the on, on exam access. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what do you Stanford come in there and and just Who route knows? them or no? Stanford yeah. looked awful against Kansas State in the opener, and then turns around and gets Clay Helton fired yeah. last weekend with a win over rival SC. Clay Helton is essentially Mike Shula of SC. It just felt like that through his entire tenure. Great right. guy. Everybody loves him. Everybody wanted to see him do well, but it just wasn't going to happen. And he was so, a placeholder. Yeah, pretty much. So we'll see how SC, SC proceeds from here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Stanford. I, I'm happy for I'm happy for Vanderbilt to get that road win at Colorado State last weekend, but that's a bad, bad. Colorado State team. They lost their home opener to South Dakota or South Dakota State. So um, the one-game win streak comes to an end for the boys on the West End. I'll be happy for Vanderbilt when they break ground on that on that uh, supposed $300 million athletic facility. I don't know when yeah. they're actually supposed to put shovels in the dirt on that, Travis, but uh, that athletic facility has been long overdue some, for some pretty serious upgrades beyond just football. Yeah. And uh, finally, finally, the Commodores are dumping some serious money into facilities, it looks like. No doubt. Much needed. And, you know, even Florida, when you talk about a pecking order of SEC athletic departments and facilities, I think people would be surprised at where Florida had dipped to in the last 10 or 15 years in comparison to the rest of the league. But the Gators, like everybody else in the league, they can't hide that money. Too much money. So hopefully uh, Vanderbilt gonna do what it desperately needs to do it's gonna do it for us here on the talking tide podcast thanks again for joining us be sure to catch us on sunday night when we recap alabama's road game at the university of florida so for travis ryer of BamaOnline.com, i'm chase goodbread of crimson cover television and nfl.com we'll talk to you this weekend here on talking tide